Attention all soulful service-based entrepreneurs who are making at least $3,000 a month in their business, who are ready to take their lives and business to the next level. I have something special just for you. Are you sick of all of the marketing that you see on social media and online that is focused on how much money you make in your business as a measure of success? Are you hungry to learn how to create a business that feels in alignment with your values, mission, and soul's purpose? Are you done with the hustle and grind in your business and ready to embrace flow and ease? Are you ready to claim massive abundance in your life by owning your inner goddess and stepping into the highest version of yourself? If so, I want to invite you to apply to my Skill to Success Mastermind. This six-month mastermind is unlike any other business mastermind. In this program, we start with embodying the highest versions of ourselves so that we can then take inspired action and then receive all of the abundance that was meant for us. Not only will I teach you everything that you need to know about scaling your business to $10,000 months and beyond, but we will also go deep into healing the old stories and limiting beliefs that are holding you back. You will learn from me and other guest experts about embodying the highest version of yourself so that you can create coaching packages that sell, charge your worth, design effective online coaching programs, increase profit margins in your business, create content for social media, your email list, blogs, etc. that actually converts, and the mindset needed to accomplish it all. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with a combination of soul and strategy while being surrounded by other soulful women who are doing the same, I want to invite you to join the waitlist by going to the link in the show notes. By joining the waitlist, there's no obligation to join the mastermind, but you will receive first notice of when the mastermind launches as well as special discounts and bonuses that you can only receive by being on the waitlist. For more details on what's included in the mastermind, go to the link in the show notes and feel free to reach out to me on social media with any questions that you might have about this program. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Aloha, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Natasha Mitchell, who is a business strategy and efficiency expert. Natasha has a commerce degree and over 20 years of corporate experience consulting with global companies such as IBM, PwC, KPMG, and Deutsche Bank and their clients. She knows the importance of structure and process to scaling, efficiency and profitability, and how to translate this so it works for a small business with limited budget and teams. When she is not helping her clients, you can find her traveling the world, learning new languages, dancing, hanging out with friends, and exploring the arts and culture of her hometown, Toronto. In today's episode, Natasha shares with us the story of how she transitioned from her corporate career into the work that she is doing today as a business strategist and efficiency expert. She shares with us her simple business method and framework she uses for delegating and hiring new team members. We talk about how to decide which tasks to keep and which to let go of when you are scaling your business. We also discuss the importance of understanding the process of every task within your business before you decide to hire someone. Natasha also gives several time management and efficiency hacks for business owners to be more productive and manage their energy. 
This is a value-packed episode with so many tangible takeaways for business owners at any stage. If you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, go ahead and send them the link right now and be a hero in their life today. And without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Natasha. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Lee, and I'm a business mindset coach, public speaker, world record holder, power lifter, and self-love advocate. I believe that there is so much power in owning and sharing our story, which is why on this podcast, I interview other powerful women about the challenges that they have overcome to be where they are today. My goal for this podcast is to create a safe space for all women to share their real, raw, and mostly unedited stories that will leave you empowered to live more authentically, openly, and freely. If you're looking to up-level your happiness, success, and fulfillment, then you've come to the right place. Look at this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development and mindset work to help you shift into your most uplifted self. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Natasha Mitchell. Natasha is a business strategy and efficiency expert. She works with established business owners in creative industries like weddings, photographers, videographers, florists, designers, and more to create and implement the strategies they need to, to get organized and focused and level up with ease without the need of a big team or big budget and without having to sacrifice all of their free time. She is the founder of Inspire and Drive and the creator of the Simple Business Method. She is also a personal friend of mine and somebody who I've done a lot of collaborations with, so I'm so happy to bring her on the podcast today. Welcome, Natasha. Hi, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be able to join you on your podcast today. And thank you. I also consider you a a great friend, and I'm so happy with the collaborations that we've been able to do together. Yes, me as well. And you are joining us all the way from Toronto, so welcome. Thank you. Um, And so I like to just start the conversation with you sharing a story from your past that brought you into the work that you're doing today as a business strategy and efficiency expert. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many stories. So, you know, one one to pick is the question. But, you know, here's a bit of an interesting story that um, I want people to take um, not the sad piece out of this, but the transformational piece out of it. So um, when I was about 18, I strangely enough ended up contracting a very weird virus. Um, It's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And literally, um, I went from a very active, vibrant, 17-year-old turning 18 with my life ahead of me to waking up one morning and I was completely paralyzed. And um, I ended up being in hospital for about um, a year after that, recovering. And needless to say, that was a pretty life-changing event. And the reason it's relevant to why I've ended up um, doing what I'm doing today is, is that completely changed the course or the trajectory trajectory of what I thought I would be doing. Mm. 
So um, growing up, you know, I'd always loved flying. I really wanted to be a flight attendant. It was something that I'd wanted to be do since I was like a, a very small child. And sort of in the blink of an eye, because of my physical um, constraints, um, I was no longer able to do that. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I'd been studying accounting at um, university. And so my my life started going off in this very corporate space. You know, it's all about the numbers. Um, I ended up as an analyst in a variety of um, companies. I worked for all of the big companies around the world, Pricewaterhouse, IBM, KPMG. And this was kind of my journey. I was... Um, you know, I, I enjoyed that work as well, but it, it was a very far cry from being a flight attendant and traveling the world. So, um, in that in that strange twist, I ended up in an industry and in an environment that I didn't think I would. And you know, just to kind of jump to the end of the story, so that everyone's not feeling. Um, uh, sad for me, perhaps. Um, you know, I did end up recovering from my illness. And so I was able to, in, you know, have a very great life and travel around and, um, you know, make a good living and have a great time. But through all of that, what I think was missing for me was some of this, um, well, a lot of fun and a lot of the creativity and freedom. And, you know, again, as a child, I did lots of dancing and modeling. And so it was all very creative and artistic. And I certainly wasn't working in that space. Um, the great thing about working on those big projects and the kind of experiences that I had, though, was that really prepared me uh, to go out in the world as a business consultant. And now I'm really happy that I'm able to marry um, my logical and consulting piece with my, my more creative side. And I'm able to bring all of that consulting experience and um, share that now with a more creative audience. So I'm sort of getting fueled on, on both of my different personalities. So that's just a little bit of story of uh, how I got started uh, doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. So was it that experience that really motivated you to change your career path? Um, yeah. And I think it, I think even throughout that, that, you know, 20 years of, uh, you know, doing all the work that I did, what that challenging experience sort of framed up for me very early was a couple of things. One, when you've been through such a a life-changing experience so early in your life. There's a level level of maturity that, you know, that you go into the world with that other people perhaps don't have. Um, and, you know, the other thing it sort of prepared me for or gave me an awareness of was that I was never prepared to settle for doing something that I didn't love. And, um, you know, as I say, even throughout all of the um, career progression in the corporate world, as I say, it's not that I didn't love that work while I was doing it. Um, you know, I did enjoy that. But I never settled for, you know, bad work situations. I never settled for, um, you know, sitting back in that corporate world and just, 
agreeing with everything that went on. And, you know, some may have called me a bit of a disruptor in that corporate space. Um, but, you know, it really was that life, life changing experience that sort of led me to say, look, life, you know, it's kind of cliche, but life is very short and very precious. And, you know, let's just make the work that we're doing fun and let's make it simple. Like let's stop stressing ourselves, whether it's in a corporation or um, externally, let's stop stressing ourselves. Let's just find the easiest, quickest pathway to do that so that we can free up our time to actually enjoy ourselves. So it, it definitely, that experience was definitely a catalyst for choices I made in my career. And certainly at this point to say, you know what, I, what's most important to me right now in my life is, um, just actually doing the work I love and working with people that I, that I enjoy working with. Yeah. That's so inspiring. And I love how you took what you did before and utilized those skills in what you're doing now, because I think so often when we're getting started as an entrepreneur, you know, there's a lot of new skills that we have to learn and we can often feel like, we're not good enough and have that imposter syndrome that comes up, but we, we all have these unique skills that we can really utilize. So how were you able to go and make that transition from the corporate world to working for yourself and still be able to utilize your unique gifts? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great question. You know, I think, um, I think just to answer the first part of that, yeah, a lot of people are lacking the confidence to go out there and feel like they have the background and experience to really help people uh, with whatever service they're offering. And, you know, I mean, I think where I was really lucky in that regard is because I had worked for very, very big consulting firms on, you know, multi-million dollar projects and, uh, you know, so so for example, training 12,000 people at a time. You know, I I had a very, I had a high level of confidence that the methodology that I was bringing to the table um, was effective and that, you know, I was coming basically with 20 years of experience. So, you know, I had a high level of confidence uh, around that. But, you know, the piece that I wasn't experienced at doing and I never had to do really in in the corporate world was a lot of the sales and marketing pieces. So in answer to your question of, you know, how did that work? You know, I bought the transferable skills that I had. Um, you know, I think I've had an advantage because I've been a consultant. There's, <laughs> you know, the world of consulting is basically come on to a project, you're going to have no idea what to expect and you're going to offer your client a great solution which requires you to understand things and learn things very quickly on the fly. So, you know, I really took that um, attitude and approach in my own business and I have invested in, you know, a lot of training. Um, I'm not scared to jump in and work things out for myself. I love Google and YouTube. And, you know, I really do surround myself with other entrepreneurial people and leverage those resources for the pieces that I don't know how to do. And there's, there's always something I don't know how to do, or I'm not great at doing. So I think that's important um, as as you move into this. Um, and, you know, I would encourage people 
you know, I think we have to think bigger about our skill sets. Our skill sets in whatever we're doing are so transferable. So I think if people are not feeling confident to take that leap, to really look at it less from the perspective of, well, I'm a an accountant or a hairdresser or a I don't know, pick it, you know, even your your own um, kind of profession that you had previously, Randy. You know, you can't sort of pigeon your whole self into that hole of um, I'm a blank, insert the title here. I think you need to look at all of your skills a little bit more holistically and see, well, I'm a great communicator or I'm a good writer or I'm a good speaker or I'm great with processes or I'm great with people and look at those skills a little more holistically. Yeah. It's looking a little bit more big picture instead of like the end of it, you know, like like you said, putting yourself in a box of those labels. Exactly. And I mean, the labels are, right, the labels are the constraint, right? Um, You know, I am a X. Well, no, you are a person with many different skills and you can put any title you want onto that, but that title shouldn't be what the the, the defining component for you. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I hear a lot of times people say, you know, I'm not a tech person, you know? I mean, I said that so many times when I was starting my business and it's like, I've been able to figure out so much tech stuff. So it's like not limiting yourself to those labels. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when it comes to hiring people and like delegating jobs and, you know, the scaling process, do you think that someone should know how to do something first before they pass it along to somebody or do you just hire somebody right out if you don't know how to do something? Like what is your process around that? Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on what it is. Um, you know, if, if there was, so for example, let's say if I wanted a website built, like there's a point where I don't need to learn how to, how to develop a website. Um, and you know, in that example, I wouldn't have even, I didn't even think twice of, oh, I'm going to figure out how to build my website. So for me, that was just like a completely outsourced piece. Um, on the flip side of that, um, as an example, um, when I started getting in the world, into the world of delivering online programs, I really, I wanted to go deep on the sales funnel processes. I really wanted to understand how all of the emails were written and how all of the technology worked in the back end. And I really wanted to get up and close um, with that. And, uh, you know, it's just such, it's such an interesting question. Like, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer there. Some people just say, oh, I don't want to do that, outsource it. On the flip side, sometimes there's some advantage of at least having an understanding of what you're doing, not necessarily being an expert, but understanding the pieces. Because I've seen a lot of um, small business owners in particular get burned by um, you know, the so-called expert out there that really has no idea what they're doing. And it's a bit like, um, you know, it, it's a bit like managing your money, right? If you have no idea um, how to do simple mathematics, to look at a bank account, to do whatever, and you say to someone, go and manage my money, they they could be siphoning off all your money and you have no idea, right? And and I've seen that time and time again where, uh, you know, and it, it, it frustrates me as a consultant when people are like, oh, yes, I'm a marketing expert and I can, uh, you know, 
increase your um, followers or whatever. And then you spend a lot of money on that and nothing really happens. So it's a long way around to saying it depends. And I think it also depends on um, how interested you are in the subject and when, whether you want to build your skills in that area as well. Yeah. I love that you said like understanding the process Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, like something for instance, like Facebook ads, you know, if you don't know the process behind that, you can spend a lot of money, you know, of course you don't need to be a Facebook ads expert, but if you don't understand a little bit of the process, you can invest a lot of money and get, like you said, no return on your investment. Yeah, And so I think it's really taking that time to understand the processes, even if it's just basic knowledge so that you know what investments to make and what not to make. Yeah. You know, if somebody's claiming to get you all of these followers, if you know the process of social media, you're going to be like, okay, but is that really what I want? Are they really good, you know, quality followers? Like you'll be able to make better decisions. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, out of that comes the ability to ask very good questions. So again, you know, some of my background um, helps me a lot in that way. So this is a transferable skill. I know how to ask a lot of questions. And so I think, um, you know, I would probably share that with people. If if you're not an expert, if you don't want to become an expert, then ask a lot of questions or ask someone that you know, like a fellow entrepreneur, say, hey, you know what, I'm thinking of doing um, some Facebook ads. One, do you have a referral of someone who's great at doing that? So you can kind of have some level of trust. Or two, you know, what are the things, what are the five questions that I should be asking? So there's ways to sort of fast track that um, understanding the process. But in all cases, I think asking a lot of questions and good questions. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that really helps. I think that helps you make the decision as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I know that hiring piece and like knowing which tasks to delegate and which not to has definitely been something that I've struggled with in my business. And I know that other entrepreneurs, especially when you're, you know, scaling your business struggle with. So do you have like any tips or strategies that you use to know which tasks in your business you need to delegate? Yeah. So I, um, you know, in, in my sort of whole simple business methodology, you know, I always start um, at the front end end of that process to get people to sort of think about what they like to do, what they don't like to do, what are their natural um, skills and talents, what do they want to do more of, what do they want to you do less of. So, you know, understanding that and being aware of that at the start is really helpful. Um, the second thing that I encourage people to do um, or, or a model that I've um, created is sort of a decision-making model. Um, and it goes something like this in a, in a kind of a two-minute overview. You know, number one is before you decide what you're handing off, make a list of all the tasks you're actually doing because sometimes we don't even know where we're spending our time. So make a list of that. And then, um, you know, as you as and when you're ready or have the budget or you feel you need, you know, it's time to hand it off, I look at each of those tasks and I ask a couple of questions. I say, ask number one, 
is this a very important task in my business? If, if, if I don't do this task, is my business going to fall to pieces? So I ask about that and that really translates to um, what's the risk to my business of this task. Um, the other thing I look at is how complex that task is. Does it require a specialized skill that only I have or I need someone, you know, who has a very specialized skill? So I look at the complexity of that. And I also generally look at how much revenue or how does that task contribute to revenue generation in my business? So they're the sort of three factors I'm looking at. And um, as I say, I have a little matrix, but, but fundamentally this, if it's high risk, highly complex and generates a lot of money in your business, I would probably be keeping that under my control for a little while um, and or bringing a very specialized expert in. If it really doesn't make, you know, a huge impact to revenue, if my business could actually operate even if I didn't have that task, in some cases I will, you know, eliminate that completely. And then sort of the middle ground is, you know what, this is not too complex. It does contribute to the revenue in my business. And, you know, it's important that this gets done correctly or gets done consistently. They're the sort of tasks that I would um, recommend people to either start automating or perhaps, you know, delegate and, and hand that job off to somebody else. Yeah. And you mentioned when you're ready or you can afford to start delegating or hiring, when do you think is that time? Like, do you have an idea of like when people should start thinking about that in their business? Yeah. Well, I think you should start thinking about it before you're even ready. <laughs> so that that's the first the first thing. And you know, what the kind of process that I've just described there where you're identifying the tasks and sort of where you're spending your time. You don't need any budget to do that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, I think you do have that there's a bit of um two schools of thoughts around this, but I do think you need to be sensible. Um, maybe, I don't know whether that's like the right word for it, but I do think you need to be maybe aware of what your budget is. So let's say um, you're making, you know, $100 a month and you don't have many clients and you decide to hire someone for $2,000 a month to do your social media. And that. $2,000 a month is not generating any revenue for it, just not generating any revenue. Like that's not a good use of time or money. Um, so, you know, sometimes you have more time on your hands. Sometimes you have more money on your hands. So that can be the driver. And, and, and I know this is a little bit of a, um, um, esoteric response perhaps. You know, there are some things that are worth the investment up front even if you don't feel like you have the money right now. So if if really there was someone who said um you you're making very little income but someone came to you with this doesn't often happen but you know with a guaranteed uh sort of offer to say hey if you spend $5,000 with me or $10,000 with me I guarantee you can make 10 or $20,000 a month you know, that's an investment mindset. (laughs) 
And, and you know, we might not be talking about ten dollars or $20,000 a month. It might be, hey, if I invest $1,000 in this resource or in this program or if I invest $5,000 to work with this coach for a while, I, my progress is going to be accelerated so quickly and I'm going to recoup that investment very quickly. Um you know, that would be a time that I would invest maybe before I think I'm ready to invest, you know. So uh, there's always quite a few different factors that go into that. But I would say if you're, um, if you're very price sensitive, if you haven't really reached that point where you, well, if you, my, my guiding, my, gu- my major guidance on this is if you're not going to be able to afford the rent or to eat that month, then don't invest in that. <laughs> Find another way around that. Yeah, Find exactly. another way around that. Maybe that's the simplest answer. But I think if if you, I think everyone should go into their business, and I, I've been talking about this a lot lately. I think if you're going into a business and you are going in without the expectation that you're going to invest something in your business, then you're going to be struggling. You're going, it's going to be a struggle. Um, most of the time. So set aside a budget, work within that budget and, you know, invest in the things that you're not great at. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it's really changing that mindset and looking at it as some, as you know, when money leaves, it's not that it's gone forever, it's going to come back. And often it accelerates our ability to generate money at a faster rate. So I think that's so important to touch on because I mean, I know I still struggle sometimes with investing in myself and my business, but it just always goes back to, like you said, if you don't invest, you're going to really be struggling. You're always going to keep your same. It's really hard to get out of the struggle that you're at if you don't invest, if you don't create that change for yourself and your business. Right. There's a, there's a component of leveling up, you know, like there's a, there's a component of, I only work at this level because that's all I've ever known. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other fears of me holding it back. One of, one of the sort of catchphrases I use with people is think and act like a CEO. So what a CEO does is they are always thinking of their business as a business. They're not thinking of it as tactical tasks to do. They're not operating from the perspective of an employee where, you know, it's sort of trading dollars for hours. They think about their business at a very high level strategic um, perspective. And they are always thinking of how can I do this um, piece of work more efficiently or effectively? And the other thing is the sort of CEO mindset is how do I get this job off my plate so that someone else can do it? So, as I say that that is sort of the mindset I encourage people to think about. I'm I'm thinking as a CEO. I'm always thinking of my business as a business, not a job. And therefore, when you start thinking at that more strategic level, the decision about where you invest becomes strategic versus tactical. And yeah, look, it's a shift. It's a challenge for all of us. But um, I encourage people to think about that. So you know. How can you make a job or task more efficient? And that often doesn't cost a lot of money, right? Or how do you sort of, how do you invest uh, 
for the bigger benefit of your business longer term. Yeah. So do you have some tips for maybe like some efficiency hacks or some time management strategies that you use to make sure that you're, you know, always utilizing your time to, you know, really optimizing your time? Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) for me personally, um, after 20 years of consulting and working with project plans, my head kind of looks like a project plan. So let me just say that about me personally. But um, for particularly my more creative uh, people that sort of like to do things on the fly a little bit and when their creative urge takes them, one of the Um, tactics I really like is a time, you know, a time blocking calendar. So really just um, chunking up your days um, into sort of time blocks so that you're actually spending focused time on activities. So you know what, I'm just checking emails for one hour in the morning, one hour at lunch, one hour in the afternoon. I I batch, you know, I love batching work. I do that a lot myself. You know, I've got to do my social media. So I'm going to batch that for three hours and do everything I need to do for the month. And then, you know, I, I'm free the rest of the month or I batch all my client meetings on a certain day, um, et cetera. I think that's probably one of the biggest hacks. It's less about the um, time blocking tool, but I think it is about a, a really useful time, you know, time efficiency tip is focus on one thing at a time and get that done and put it aside. When you start jumping in and out of tasks, back and forward, not finishing off things, um, it's a, it's a real um, time waster for sure. Yeah, I love that tip, and I I think that's really so effective. You know, and I tell my clients that all the time. Like, it's so hard to go from client calls to, you know, answering emails to creating your next email funnel or whatever it might be. So it's like being able to really separate those times. So then your brain can also, you know, we get in different flow states. And if you're trying to go from client calls to being creative to answering emails, you're just going to feel like your energy's totally burnt out. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I think, um, along with that, uh, you know, a couple of other practical tips are, you know, do those big, big thinking, big energy, high revenue sort of generating tasks when you're feeling most energetic, when you're most productive, do those little small admin tasks that don't require a ton of your energy. Do those when you're, less energetic, you know, at the end of the day when, when you're feeling tired. Um, you know, that that's another another good energy-saving hack. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I think is really important that we often forget is just don't over-cram your day. You know, I, I, was, I was speaking to a client the other day and, um, and I said, you know, don't back up, and she was a writer. I said, don't back up the writing, write back up on the, um, you know, on the client follow-up emails. Leave leave an hour in between as much as you can, you know, leave an hour or half an hour in between those tasks. So one, you can recharge. Two, that if you if something spills over, and, and I particularly when I'm having client calls, I usually leave an hour before um, between those calls and doing anything else because I don't like to be, you know, 
thinking about my next task before I've finished a conversation with my client, for example. Yeah, that's actually uh, some piece of advice I need to hear because <laughs> <laughs> I often try to, you know, cram everything back to back. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, okay, I have to hop off of this thing to do this and this. And it's like, you can't be present instead of just focusing on one thing at a time and giving yourself that space and enough space. Yeah. And, you know, look, you might not always finish all the tasks, but if there's something, you know, that you need to do, like a big project, maybe you say, look, I'm just going to spend an hour a day on that and I'm going to give that my focused attention and I'm going to turn off the distractions and I'm going to get it done. It's it's surprising, um, you know, I had read somewhere that, you know, we – a task take as, takes as long as the time we allot it. So if, if you know, you've got to write an article and you give yourself 20 minutes, you'll 95% of the way generally get that done or 100%. If you give yourself three hours for that task, it will also take you three hours. Um, so I do like to be focused. I like to set some deadlines and I like to little, leave a little bit of space between those deadlines so that you can re-energize or if something doesn't go as planned or um, an unexpected important call comes through or you need to be pulled somewhere else that you're not feeling completely backed up to the wall, you know, the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful because I know that, you know, myself included, it's a struggle to like try, you know, we only have 24 hours a day and trying to cram so much in but then we don't end up, I think, being efficient and effective at what we're doing when we're not, you know, giving our best energy towards it. Yeah, so, exactly. So much for those tips. That's really helpful. Yeah, great. So is there anything before my last question, is there anything you wish I would have asked you or a final message that you want to leave? I think my fine, you know, I think you've asked some great questions and we've covered, you know, some um, some great ground for people because it, it is challenging to, it's challenging as an entrepreneur to know how to do everything and know how to manage your time most effectively. But, you know, I think my key takeaway from all of this is, you know, and, and it's kind of my mantra, business doesn't have to be complicated. And when you start seeing your calendar completely jammed up every day, when you see yourself getting really stuck on moving forward on a project because you just can't work out the technology or how this works or, um, you know, there's things when you're feeling stuck and can't move forward, my observation at that point is things are too complicated. So when, once you have the awareness that things are too complicated, then you can start looking at ways to simplify that. You know, do I need to get some help? Do I need to invest in some education? Do I need to invest in some kind of automation tool that can simplify this process or speed it up for me? I, I think that's important to be aware of and consider. And, you know, along with that, I would say, look, business doesn't have to be so complicated. And all of our sales funnels and all of our marketing, we've made it more complicated than it needs to be. And I encourage people to start stripping out some of that complexity, just starting off really simple and small and um, not small necessarily, but, you know, really simply and, um, you know, getting the foundations right and, 
you know, really for sure reaching out for help for things that you don't know how to do. Yeah. Thanks so much for that. And my last question is related to taking action because I believe that that's really how we integrate the stuff that we learn from, you know, listening to podcasts like this and reading books and, you know, going to workshops. So what would be three action steps that someone could take today to live a more uplifted life? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, um, you know, step number one is take a look at what you, and I'll talk from business and a life perspective perhaps, but number one, take a look at where you are spending your time in your business. Stop just going from one thing to another and really not knowing where your time and energy is going. I encourage you to take stock of um, the work that you're doing in your business. The second thing I would say from a business perspective is once you've taken stock of what you're doing in your business, really take a critical look at that and ask whether it's really important and whether it's making a difference. And if it's not, then take it off your plate completely or get some help. And, you know, my final tip from an uplifted life um, would probably go back to the first discussion we had, which is if you really are not having fun, if you're feeling stressed, sad, de-energized, just like kind of plodding along with not really feeling fully inspired or feeling upset because, you know, someone's being mean to you at work or, you know, you don't love that environment, I really encourage you to think about what it's going to take to change that and work towards making that change. I think, um, you know, continuing to settle for situations that um, really are not providing you an uplifted life, we don't have time for that. You know, life really is short and, you know, this is not to wish any tragedies upon people, but life changes very quickly. And even if you're perfectly healthy and well your entire life, you might as well be doing work you love and spending time with people you love because at the end of the day, that's what really matters, not not how much money you made or not how many titles you have, just like having a, a good, fun-filled, enjoyable life. So that's, they're my tips. I love that. And it's such an important reminder, you know, that it's really not about, you know, even in this world of entrepreneurship, it's not all about how much money we make. Exactly. And it's not. And, you know, even in the world of entrepreneurship, I mean, I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of people um, have come out of the corporate world because they didn't love corporate, but now they're on entrepreneurship. And we all know that that path is not easy and not everyone's cut out for it. So never, whatever decision you've made, don't ever feel like that's set in stone for you. You've always got choices and there's always ways to um, make that situation more enjoyable or change it up. And you, you write your rule book. So you do what you think is right for you and don't 
ever feel like you've failed at one or the other or there's expectations from other people, you have to write your own rules and do what you want to do and do what lights you up. Yeah, I love that. Thanks so much, Natasha. And where can everyone find you and connect with you and learn more about you? Oh, thanks, Randy. Um, people can find me on my website, inspireanddrive.com, um, or they can follow me on Instagram, which is also Inspire and Drive. And, uh, you know, I share lots of um, tips and tricks about business and efficiency and scaling with ease there. So um, Instagram's a great place to follow me and sort of follow along in real time with uh, the daily activities that are going on there. Yes. And I love your stories. They've been so good. Thank you. You've been my inspiration for that, Randy. I love that. I love that. Thanks so much, Natasha. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for having me. And I hope uh, everyone takes some action and uh, makes their life and business a little simpler. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with me. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one. If this episode really resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you screenshot and share it with your friends and family or share it on your Instagram story. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which helps me spread the message and get the podcast heard by more people. For more self-love and powerlifting inspiration, come follow me on Instagram or join my private Facebook group, Self Love School. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, stay uplifted.